This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate. I'm Rachel. And we are Stranger Than, a podcast discussing unsolved mysteries, weird occurrences, misunderstood phenomena, and creepy happenings. As always, the Stranger Than podcast logo art is brought to you by Catthulhu Art. The link is in the show notes. You will have heard a new voice, for those of you who have heard us before. That's our friend Rachel. Hello, everybody. She's here to join us on this particular episode, which is ghost stories. Yeah, kind of some, some random, a random compilation of ghostly things i mainly chose things that happen around washington state and then i have some ghost stories from um police and first responders but i also have uh one true crime tidbit that i'm gonna do just for good measure just for good measure and you know usually when we do 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 when we do do <laughs> usually when we do a true crime subject it's usually an, an unsolved true crime but this is a solved true crime but it happened to be one that um american horror story had used for one of their storylines and it's like kind of halloween season and yeah this will be an episode that comes out right around halloween i think it is it's halloween time so the weekend before i believe i, I don't think... know <laughs> close though it'll be right around halloween yeah, it's already kind of around Halloween. I it mean, is around Halloween. As soon as it hits October 1st, it's basically Halloween. Right. I mean, it's less than two weeks away, so. Yeah, at the time of the recording. Uh, okay, yes. At the time of the recording. Whatever. Whatever. It's Halloween time. It is Halloween it's time. fucking Halloween time. And so it just kind of piqued my interest, and I wanted to, to share. Well, that's fine. I like it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be reading these stories word for word as um, written by the person who was submitting them. I I got these off of a website, ranker.com, which is a super fun place if you ever just have a few hours to just go down some crazy rabbit holes with creepy stories and weird stuff. And the thing I like about them is that I usually don't, you know, just want to they kind of summarize things. It's basically one of those slideshow type things, except it's not an annoying one where oh, you have right. to click every single time. And like there's the ads, there's usually something like at the bottom, but it, you can do it in like one scroll. It's like one page. And I really appreciate that. They'll also have links um, so that you can look into stuff further. Right. So if you want to go deeper into the story, you can. Right. And I always like to, you know, have on well, on some subjects, at least, you know, get a few different sources before I you know, make it part of an episode. Right. But this one was just a compilation of, like, police and first responder stories that they had, which I thought some of them were pretty fucking creepy. Oh, I'm sure they've got some crazy stories. Oh, yeah. So this uh, first one is from a uh, 911 dispatcher. That's got to be a fucking stressful job. 
oh yeah amazingly stressful i can't even imagine you know you get like kids on the phone like my dad's hitting my mom or like somebody like you know they find their kids breathing i just can't even imagine people at their worst just listening to people die and right and trying to you know get information out of them so you can send someone to help them and they're being a dick to you because they're in a high stress situation and they're not really being a dick to you but they're just being a dick because they just want help and right to them you're standing in the way possibly when you're asking them all these stupid questions when mm-hmm. you just get there now i can't imagine somebody being a lifer in that position either oh yeah oh no my shit. i mean i wonder you how know, many of those i mean there, it, there you'd probably are. burn out really fast oh yeah it seems like it seems like you would that's just it's such a high stress job you just have to have like the right type of personality for it i guess just be able to like handle that stress and and get rid of it in a healthy way because that shit will just eat you up it's only for sociopaths i don't think so because i think you have to really actually care about helping people in order to like deal with that level i guess that's true (laughs) otherwise there'd be a lot of hang ups (laughs) (laughs) that's not a problem i'll call someone else (laughs) be like your husband's not preying (laughs) that sucks that sucks for you (laughs) that's shitty yeah no sucks to suck next so Story goes, I'm a 911 dispatcher. I'll always remember Mr. Blue. That's a pseudonym that they're giving him. The nicest old man living kind of out in the middle of the desert. He was tagged in our system as having dementia. We used to take calls from him nearly every night about how his wife's dolls would come to life and torment him. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah. Or how his wife was kidnapped by them. And uh, apparently it was a known fact, though, that his wife had actually passed away. So it was it was it doll related or or no? uh, It doesn't say whether it was doll related. Okay, Okay. I really hope not, because fuck that. (laughs) So it seemed that every night he would call was right around my shift. So I happened to be the one to take his calls most of the time. It was a little creepy being on the phone with him at times. He would randomly shush me. And you could actually hear footsteps. What or, the fuck? Yeah. Or he would explain that there was somebody living in his couch and that he could hear laughing. Nicest old man, and you never want to deny them. So I'd stay on 911 with him and talk to him about his life until the deputies arrived. Mr. Blue doesn't call anymore, and I have no idea what happened. The end. How fucked up would that be to be to hear things and think there was people and shit like that in your fucking house and they took your wife. Mm-hmm. God. And they're living in the couch and the walls and they're laughing at you and mocking you. That's so shitty. And fucking with you. That is so shitty. I hate that. Oh my God. I think I would like, I would like throw them away or burn them up, but maybe they'd come back. God, maybe I don't know. Tried. They might come back with a vengeance. They too. might. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Discarded usually they just, maybe they even get more angry. Yeah. Maybe you're too afraid to fight back just in case you don't get rid of them because that means that either they're really not real and you're crazy or it doesn't matter. You just can't get rid of them. Yeah. I would worry I'd anger them further. I, you know, it'll be like standing there and it'll have like some like garbage in its hair, like some freaking like old like lettuce or something like from the dumpster. And it's just like, <laughs> like, how dare you? You son of a bitch. Fucking threw me away. Now you are fucked. That's the worst. I will talk about my cat. 
Dinah? Dinah. I got Dinah in January of 2000. She was six weeks old. And I had her for 16 and a half years. So we're pretty much every day and every night we spend a good amount of time together. You know, she's mm-hmm. lived in my room for a long time. In the summer of 2016, I took her to the vet because she was kind of getting randomly dizzy and acting just not like herself. And it turned out she had hardened tumors all over her internal organs. Well, there was nothing they could do about that, so I had to euthanize her. It was quite sad. Now, in the past 16 and a half years of me having this cat, we had moved back in with my parents a couple times. The day that I had to put my cat down, my mom was playing a Scrabble app game on her iPad. And at the bottom, where you have all the letters you have to work with, it's spelled out D-I-N-A-H. Oh. Which is weird. So it's like my cat's ghost energy was whipping back to all the places that it was and stopped by there. Because hmm. she totally knew her name. Quite a coincidence, at it least. Is, it is quite a coincidence. Either way, it's, at least it's a comforting one, too. Yeah. For being kind of like an eerie situation and everything. It's it's kind of comforting to, you know, like, Mao, I'm here. And not just like a, <laughs> get out! Yeah, or something. Right. <laughs> you wake up and you just have, like, claw marks all over your body. Like, oh, you don't know this where is they great. Came from. This is great. That's the kind of thing that would happen to me, because I don't think Dinah ever, like, cared for me too much. No, but we, you know, <laughs> she and I were pretty tight. We're also going to talk about the 13 Steps to Hell in the Maltby Cemetery. This is the basic legend. There's 13 steps leading down to the to a tomb of a rich family. You're supposed to descend these steps and touch a door to the tomb and then come back up. Unfortunately, upon turning around, you see a glimpse of hell itself. It's supposed to be so traumatizing that you're rendered mute. Allegedly, the staircase was bulldozed anywhere from the 1960s to the 1990s. So we can't, like, do that now? We can, like, just drive out to the Maltby Cemetery and go down the steps? No, no, not now. Uh, the cemetery is built on a hill, so there's also a story that each of level of the cemetery is a step. If you follow, like, the correct path down the hill, allegedly you disappear, possibly to hell. There's not 13 levels of it. No, and actually, um, I used to live by there. And um, my friends and I would go there and do uh, grave rubbings where you take a piece of paper and a crayon or something or lay a piece of chalk. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, we, we had heard of the legends going through school and stuff like that. And um, so we did, you know, tried to find them. And no matter how, because it is kind of a, a tiered um, set up to the cemetery. It's really interesting. But only like three or four tiers, right? Yeah, there's yeah. like two or three on one side and then there's three on the other, I think, because it's kind of a two-sided um, yeah, yeah. cemetery. And yeah, no matter how you go up and down them, it doesn't add up to 13. But the one weird thing is I have a um, neighbor that lived across the street who had supposedly seen the 13 Steps to Hell. And um, he actually died on Paradise Lake Road not too terribly long after seeing. Holy and shit. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's he, crazy um, shit He got right into there. a car wreck. And I mean, Paradise Lake Road anyways is, if anybody has ever driven that road, especially I... in the snow, knows yes. that it is a hellish road. And um, It is a very curvy, And you see curvy road. graves, you know, like little uh, grave mark or not markers. Oh yeah, like the crosses, you know, in memory All of, the way down yeah. that road. So I mean, it's not one of those like unheard of things for people to die on that road but it is just mm-hmm. a coinky dink too of here's somebody who saw the steps to hell was very traumatized by it and actually died on the road not too far from the cemetery 
I went to the cemetery once when I was in high school, and I didn't really find anything of any note. Like, there was that one concrete slab that's someplace mm-hmm. around there, and then it was just ba- basically a bunch of Freemason graves. Yeah, they all had, like the Freemason yeah triangly diamond thingy yeah. that they have. The um the only experiences that I have is the the other legend that you hear is that the graves move. And that kind of coincides, like, when we would do the gravestone rubbings and whatnot. Like, the Doolittles are on the, the far side, and they pretty much stay in their place. But the um, closer to the entrance of the cemetery, like, the gravestones move. That's you'll go there one shit. time, and you'll see a certain set of graves. And then the next time you go, you'll see another set of graves. Like, it's weird. It is definitely weird. That's crazy. I don't think I've ever been to the Malby Cemetery. I've heard about it, but... Oh, everyone around here has heard about it. Well, yeah. Well, of a, of a but... certain age, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did manage to find an account of a person going down the stairs. Uh, it was... I just found it on the internet. They say that once they found the staircase, it was so dark that even their flashlight beams would not illuminate the bottom. He said he descended the first two steps and started to feel sick. After two more, he felt lightheaded. Two more after that, he was so cold he was having trouble breathing and could hear some muffled shouts. At this point, he couldn't continue, so he turned around and headed back up the stairs. He claims that he felt something pushing at his back, so like pushing him back to the top of the staircase. He could see his friends at the top of the staircase, but they were blurry and real hard to see. Like As he was getting closer, they became more clear. Apparently, he had completely disappeared when he went down the stairs despite being six feet tall and only having gone down halfway. Hmm. That's been some good acid. It's good, some good something. <laughs> uh, there's also been reports of ghostly women and children dressed in rags in the cemetery. I don't know if that's just people checking it out or what. I don't know, but it is creepy. It that's... is creepy as fuck. Like, I've gone, like, a couple times. One time we went just, like, at night, kind of through all the, uh, like, houses and stuff because... It was, I mean, it was the 90s. There weren't, like, a lot of people around, really. And yeah, right. It was still, you know, you could still kind of get away with shit. And then one time we did go the back way through all those woods, and that is pretty fucking creepy. Yeah, it is. Like, that's, that's it's creepier doing that, and because it's very quiet, and it's weirdly quiet. Yeah. And it's eerie when you come out of the cemetery, especially, like, going back, and if you go farther, not towards the woods, or excuse me, not towards the roadside of the woods, but like you go through the woods. Oh yeah, you know going... the actual like bike trails and stuff. Back yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Um, it does feel like somebody's following you for a bit. It is kind of, it is kind of freaky. Yeah, it's and it could be just because it's you know something creepy that we've had the stories all our lives basically, or all of our school lives anyway. Or I if think... it, there's actually something there, I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I think the woods late at night is just it's just creepy in general. That's true. Especially if you're far away from light and stuff. Like, Jarek and I went for a walk when we were on one of our Liberty camping trips. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Liberty's kind of like a ghost town. And we were out walking on the road, and there it's a ghost town, but there are some inhabited buildings, and you can see, like, a light. And they're just super, like, run down. It's like... Like that motel and like the ring and stuff. It's just oh, like out yeah, in the middle of like nowhere, all kind of kind everything's kind of like rotting, and... yeah, rotting and dilapidated. You'd see a light on, and it's just like, who the fuck is even living out here? Sort of some Keddie Cabin shit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then you just start getting creeped out, and it's like, 
I'm, I'm getting freaked out now. Okay, let's let's turn around. Like, I want to go back to the fire where there's like lots of people and dogs and let's go where the stuff. humans are. This is too right. This is too yeah, because I mean, you would you would just suddenly get this like really unsettled feeling, like like I don't know, like you're you're just yeah. out there and you're alone and you don't know who is in those buildings and what they're up to and what they might want to like do to you and I don't know or have it's you the do dark to them. and it's just yeah. It just it just freaks you out. I mean, it was just like, okay, I want to get the fuck out of here. Let's go back. Let's go back. I'm really freaking out now. <laughs> well, and when you start to feel that in your gut, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, not just... Because you can play the mind game stuff and, um, you know, kind of play it off, play it off, play it off. But, like, once you really start to feel that pit of your stomach, like yeah. that, that cold, hard feeling, and you're like, all right. Like, how is something, out. like, going to, like, not happen to <laughs> yeah. me at this point? Like right if this were a movie i would be like screaming at the screen to like you know it's like get out of there you fucking idiot you why know? do you like, keep going that uh-huh, way turn uh-huh. around go back trip. to the fire don't trip right exactly <laughs> do not trip make sure you wear sensible shoes <laughs> right. have you ever been to the mirkwood cafe in arlington either of you no. uh no it's in arlington as i said it's a place we've played a couple times it's a bar and a tattoo shop pretty cool place actually is it? I always wondered what that was like when you guys are going to do a show. And I, because I remember that you've done a couple Arlington shows. I'm like, I wonder what that crowd is all about. It's just like there's nothing else going on up there. So it's just a random metal crowd. But it's a cool, pretty cool building. It used to be a church. So it's set up kind of churchy. Like the tattoo shop is up above. And then there's a downstairs area. And it's all wood, everything, like the floor and all that shit. Huge stage. Cool place to play. Apparently it's haunted, which hmm. I didn't know until I was researching for this show. People report that they're being watched there. And apparently, like, like the employees and shit will feel like they're being watched when there's no one around. I didn't feel like anything was there. I never felt weird at the place at all. I always feel like I'm being fucking watched. And I was being watched because I was on stage. <laughs> so that was another, another thing. Apparently, the Chateau Saint-Michel is haunted. Did really? you know that, Rachel? No. Joanna, did you know that? I did not know that, and I haven't fucking been there and that's awful because that's like minutes from my house oh i know mm. i haven't been there either and it's also it's minutes from where all we all live we all live in right within like a five mile radius of one another <laughs> we're just really but close I just, guys <laughs> you know i'm just not into like going to wineries it just seems like expensive and yeah right i mean i don't know what that the whole thing is about i've never been to a winery really so it's super cool like when chateau has the shows playing we can hear it from our apartment, oh, so it's yeah. great. Like I just sit out on my back porch, and it's like people jamming. Um, it was one night I didn't realize that ZZ Top was in town, oh, shit. and I was starting to hear it jamming. I'm like, oh, Chateau's had a show, you know, shot it's got a show or whatever. So yeah, Jethro Tull has played there. Yeah, it's Huey cool. Lewis in the news has played there. All kinds of acts go there. All I can think about is that one woman who was on the trail, like near the winery, who was like almost like raped and murdered like oh jesus going for a walk and like there was a show playing and so, so no oh so no one could hear anything nobody could hear oh, anything crazy. and this guy I like attacked her all the time i know it's <laughs> scary Fuck. it is and and it, the guy came out and he pulled his shoe i mean he obviously knew what he's doing he pulled his shoelaces off and started to strangle her with it oh jesus christ and just luckily for her there was a couple other people that came up on the trail and the guy ran off and they have never caught this guy 
Fucking goddamn. Yeah, but she ended up in the hospital because, yeah. She he, got garroted, yeah. basically, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. One, back in the day, some friends and I were all fucked up out at uh, the Beths in Bothell. Mm-hmm. It's not there anymore. Now there's nothing there. But that was right on the Burt Goldman Trail, you know, at the at the Bothell side. And we, right. we decided we, we needed to leave, but we weren't going to drive anywhere because we we're all fucked up. So we instead, we walked on the trail back into Woodenville. Well, in Bothell still, so not very far off, we're walking down the trail. Us three guys, all fucked up walking down the trail, and some hobo or something grabs my wrist. And so my, new, my two friends take off running because, you know, <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> I know. Right? Their, their first instinct is like, oh shit, like, Nate's fucked. They grab Nate, here. let's get out of here. <laughs> and so they take off running, and I just was like, ah, and I like broke the grip and pushed the guy, and then I ran. And they had stopped and realized that they had just ran off and left me. Like, that was kind of a dick move. And they were on their way back, but then everything was fine because we got away from the guy, and then we were all fucked up, so he had disappeared at that point. He, he did exist to begin with, though. I guarantee you that. <laughs> at any rate, the Chateau Saint-Michel. <laughs> uh, Frederick Stimson was a lumber baron who had a hunting retreat in the Woodenville, Kirkland area. It was also a working farm and was called Hollywood Farm. In 1912, a winery was built on this land, which in 1976 became a Chateau Saint-Michel winery and is Washington State's oldest winery. Also, Stimson's mansion is still on the land, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I've been to like, the Hollywood like schoolhouse like the old schoolhouse yeah yeah that was uh, i think originally a part of the property oh jesus and that was a shitload of property they've like my daughter olivia's school has had like author's night there and one of the nights that she one of the years that she had author's night there you know i mean of course i'm you know running late just because of who i am as a person yeah you run late but i'm trying to get out the door and we go down to the kitchen, and Lila the cat has just killed a baby bunny. Oh, great. But except it's not dead. It's on it's the kitchen screaming. floor, and it's, like, twitching and bleeding profusely oh, all over the floor. No. And it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ, like, what do I do? And the girls are just like, oh, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, it's not even dead. And <laughs> No shit. And we're supposed to be out the door five minutes ago. Fuck. The universe conspiring yeah, I mean, to make. Oh my gosh! You know, so. there's a parallel universe out there somewhere where Joanna, you are the most punctual person. <laughs> I'm the kind of person that gets like angry at people that are late, you know, and looks down you upon you them. You show up five minutes early, and that's you being late. Mm-hmm. Oh God, that's me, guys. <laughs> I, know, I know that's you. You weren't even sure if you were going to show up tonight, and you were still early. (laughs) (laughs) She shows up. I even even took my time getting here. Like I'm cruising through the neighborhood, looking at all the cute houses with all the cute Halloween decorations and everything. It was so (laughs) funny. Now that you're here, you'll just have to wait like an hour for Joanna to get her ass over here. She texts me when I'm driving to the weed store, and (laughs) so I call her because I was driving, and like, yeah. What's going on? You know, come over whenever there's, you know, I'm not there right now, but I'll be back soon. She's like, oh, I'm not sure. It's a long day. I'm not sure if I'm going to come over. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. Well, I'll let you know when Joanna says she's going to be on her way. Because, you know, I knew that was going to give her some, uh, Rachel, some time. Yeah. You got a good, you know. Hour. Birth and there so, of, uh, time when. <laughs> and so, yeah. And then Rachel just shows up. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, <laughs> like she comes in like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to record. I'm like, yeah. Right. Right. Well, you're here. here I am, guys. Hello. <laughs> you're going to record. <laughs> well, it 
was good to have that little bit of decompression time. Oh, yeah. You know, I knew. Just cruising yeah. through neighborhoods and Halloween stuff. And, and you were going to have, like I said, you, like we said, it's only the parallel universe, Joanna, that's <laughs> punctual. <laughs> right. This Joanna is only punctual if you expect her to be an hour late. Yeah. Because then she's about 15 minutes early. Mm-hmm, it's that's lovely. Right. That's right. <laughs> you just got to look at it in a certain perspective. <laughs> at any rate. You know, we do have some friends that are even later than I am. That's that, true. That are even more of a lagger than I am. That's true. So, you know. You're not the it, worst. I'm not the worst. You're tied so. for the worst. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're you always got to have somebody out there that makes you feel a little bit letter, better about you. Yeah, know? yeah. And it, it could be worse. I mean, it's, your, we, we expected we, we all still love you anyway. You know, I was talking to Jarek about uh, moving to Kansas and when we were sitting in shitty gridlock traffic in seattle you know getting him to like physical therapy yeah, yeah. and i'm like this is one thing i am so not going to miss is all this traffic and he's like yeah you are gonna miss it because then you can't blame traffic for being late all the time yeah no shit <laughs> i'm like i guess i'll just have to like chalk it up to who i am as like, a person oh, well. <laughs> you know? like... i'm just fundamentally late i don't yep. know what to tell you well be one with yourself it's cool <laughs> at any rate Stimson. <laughs> Stimson was sleeping with a servant named Elizabeth and knocked her up. Soon his wife found out, and then Elizabeth had an accident. Oh, Poor dear. girl fell down some stairs and died. Mm. She fell down the stairs. Fell down the stairs, huh? Funny thing, Elizabeth fell down the stairs and died. Well, there have been reports of cold spots, impossible noises, Electrical issues, random toilets flushing, and strange shadows. She's also been known to touch winery employees. There have been many overnight janitorial crews that have refused to come back because they'd hear all this shit would happen and they'd hear footsteps upstairs and there's no one upstairs. No, just ghost stuff. So is this in the actual winery or in the mansion? Uh, this is in the mansion. Okay. I was going to say, like, in, I mean, that all makes sense if you're in kind of a wine, place of wine is stored. Oh, yeah, yeah, got to yeah. be some weird acoustics going on there, and cold. It's got to be, you know. Yeah, no, but know. this is this is the actual mansion itself. Okay. You want to hear another creepy story? I want to hear another creepy story from you, Joanna. All right. You shall get one. Well, since we are on the subject of haunted places, this one is from a police officer, this story. So it goes... Worked as a police officer in a small town in rural Nebraska back in the 90s. I was patrolling through town in winter. We had several abandoned houses in town, but one seemed to have the attraction of copper thieves. It's amazing how many people like actually steal copper. Oh, that's a big thing, yeah. It, it is. is. It is a big thing. Construction has to keep their copper, like all, all kinds of construction, taking it down and putting it back up. They got to keep their copper on lockdown. Because mm-hmm. people will come to strip that shit right out. Oh yeah, especially it seems like I feel like that's like a that's a meth head thing to do. Like yeah, skeevy little meth heads is like let's just take all the copper and strip it. You know, like it, it, yeah, it happens all over the mm-hmm. place. Though. Yeah, oh yeah, sell it it's, for drugs and it's the truth. Yep. Anyways, back to the story. So, anyways, yeah, this one house uh, seems to um, have the attraction of copper thieves. I don't know if they're stealing copper from the house or they just like to like congregate there or what. It's like a meeting of the copper thieves. Yes. Like, okay, <laughs> uh, you and, and Barney will take the northwest quadrant. Steve and you know Vanessa will take the southeast. 
Maybe they come back with their their goods and like pull it all together to see how much they're gonna get. I don't know. Maybe they got like a scale there and they just weigh <laughs> out all the copper. So, anyways, they the police were basically like had to keep an eye on it. So he was he drove by it around seven p.m. Says since it sat on the corner a lot, I had a clear view of all four sides of the house as I drove around the corner. Nothing looks out of the ordinary. About two hours later, I drive by again, and the back door is wide open. I know that the back door was not open when I drove by it earlier. Looking at the snow on the ground around the house, there were no footprints. So I think, what the hell? Yeah. Which, yeah, that's probably what I would think, too. I'd say that's a valid uh, mm-hmm. it's a valid question. What the hell? Call dispatch, tell them I'm investigating an open door at that address, and ask for a county sheriff to start my way. I walk to the open door, pull out my flashlight, and shine it inside. The house has obviously been gutted for the most part. The plaster walls have been torn down. There's debris piles everywhere. Since there were no footprints in the snow around the door other than mine, and with all the dust on the floor not showing any footprints, I chalk it up to wind or maybe the door just opened on its own. As doors do? Sometimes. Mm-hmm. I was about to secure the door when I heard a loud thump come from the upstairs and what sounded like kids laughing. So I enter the house and yell out, Police department, come downstairs. More of what sounds like kids playing. I tell dispatch that it sounds like there are kids in the house and start making my way through the kitchen into the living room where the stairs are. All the while cautiously checking the main floor. Two more times I hear something upstairs, but since I've had no response, I start thinking maybe it's an animal. Still, I hear what I'd swear was kids laughing. I head upstairs, and it all gets quiet. The upstairs is relatively small, with a hallway at the top of the stairs that has one bedroom on the right, one straight ahead at the end of the hall, and a bedroom on the left. As I get to the top of the stairs, I hear a thump in the bedroom to the left. I carefully peek around the door, and it's an empty room with a small pile of plaster and wood debris in the middle. No kidding, sitting on top of the pile of debris was a page torn out of a child's book with a picture of a police officer on it. What the fuck? Yeah. Fuck that. (laughs) The hair stood up on the back of my neck. fucking house. I got out of that room, quickly cleared the other rooms upstairs, and got the fuck out of there. (laughs) You're goddamn right. Holy shit. Told dispatch nobody was in the house, locked the back door, and never went back in there again. Fucking hey. The end. (laughs) That's pretty terrifying. So your employer sends you to go check out an apartment, and you're going into the apartment, and you hear kids laughing in the back, and you go in the back, and you find a pile of, like, shit in the middle with, like, a maintenance man on there. (laughs) (laughs) Would you turn tail and run the fuck out? Fuck yeah. (laughs) You're goddamn right. How do you clearly depict that this is a maintenance man? Do they have some sort of a... Yeah, I'd hightail out of there and call the cleaners. (laughs) She has a special hat she wears. It's got a big M on it for maintenance. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, nope. Whole lot of nope. A whole lot of nope going on right there. Well, Rachel. Well, yes. You used to live in a haunted house. I did. Did you know that about Rachel, Joanna? I did not know that she lived in a haunted house. Rachel used to live in a haunted house. <laughs> How was your house haunted? Uh, I didn't know it when I moved in. 
They did not advertise that. They weren't like haunted house. No advertisement, no nothing. Um, Rented this house and um, started uh, noticing little things like, um, you know, the electronics would do weird things um weird things like turn on and off or turn on or off or like kickstart or like one of the one of the things i noticed like really weird right off the bat is um my old record player and it had like the cassette player cd player everything right Mm. oh yeah like the cabinet deal yeah yeah yeah. yeah. right before i got the victrola one because the um that other brand finally died yeah yeah but um anyway so like it never had any issues playing anything prior to moving and then i would notice like there would be the pause button that would get hit in the middle of a song and nobody nothing would be it would just be sitting there and then it would just be in, in pause mode um it would skip tracks skip songs um sometimes certain cds wouldn't play in mm, it. it sounds like the ghost had some, you know, musical not, preferences. You, like, your, your musical preferences did not align. Like, and I am so sick of 40 the... ounces to fucking freedom. <laughs> right. I'm going to fucking and, pause that um, shit right here. You know, and I, I would think it would be the CDs or something like that. So I'd throw them in my car, I'd throw them in another player, yeah, and they'd be fine. So it's fine. like, okay, it's the player. But then that player has moved with me to um, a few different apartments, and it never had the same issues. Um, so like later on in different places it 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 worked just fine. yeah so that that musical player but like in this house it had all these crazy issues um but never anywhere else um so it would start off with little things like that it would start off with like weird noises coming from weird places you know even popped my head in the attic to see if any like birds or rodents or anything um you know were up there um no droppings no nothing really found um, just dust, dust uh, with <laughs> just, just dust. Uh, but uh, so yeah, it'd be weird knocking sounds. It'd be just weird, just sounds creaks. But like you chalk it up to the normal groans of the house, right? old house settling. Right. Um, Which houses can be fucking noisy. I've gotten like so terrified before being home alone because once there's nobody around and nobody account for the noises, you don't realize how much noise your house makes right all the tvs are off yeah yeah. you know and yeah the the pipes or Mm -hmm. the wood or you know especially when the temperature flux you know so much during the day or whatever but then like it was weird it's like the house started transforming its feeling you know like when you walk into a house and Mm -hmm. you know you can feel it right away you feel the energy of the people you feel the energy around you um but that house started to change and it became more negative and heavy. Like, it was almost like weights were on your shoulders when you walked in the front door. It was really weird. Um, now, how many people did you live here with? Um, so I lived with my ex at the time at that house. So it was just you two? So it was just us two. Um, a guy or a girl? A guy. Guy. Yeah. Um, and, I don't uh, mean to call you out on... No, like, uh, on hello, the- <laughs> I'm here, everyone! On the international <laughs> wonder that is Stranger Than podcast. Well, yeah. So now, if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> and feel free to, uh, you know, 
say his actual name or a made-up name and you know nobody will know the well, difference yeah, but I, I, yeah. so <laughs> to protect uh, his privacy right I'm, I'm pretty good at doing that we can call him joey <laughs> oh, good Lord. we'll call him joey um <laughs> that's terrifying uh no so we lived there we lived there for like two years and then progressively um that house just became heavier and heavier and heavier and um i had the craziest night terrors of my life at that house um it would be to the point where you would turn off the lights at night and like run and jump on your bed like a kid you Mm -hmm. know like freaked out that the boogeyman's gonna come out um because you were almost positive the fucking boogeyman was on your was, bed right then right and there, yeah. and, you know like i would hold my pee into the morning i even debated i even debated on having like a bucket on my side of the bed so i could be wow. at night you know it's like, getting it was bad so when frightful. you start like just the thinking like should i just piss in a bucket right like is like... that gonna be preferable to like getting up out of bed and <laughs> right? venturing out into the darkness of the house like um, that's now, did you ever try to like sage that shit, or did you ever try to? Um, yeah, tried to and for it sure. Just, it didn't, did didn't did take? the sage? We even had um, like little sage packets with like I can't remember what stone was inside the packets, and we put them like on every door. I salted the windows, you know, did a little dance and chat and everything, and, and still nothing. And still nothing. It, it got heavier and heavier, um, and then one night. Um, we were chilling in the bedroom and the bedroom was big enough to where we had like a queen size bed and then like a man and a half chair and a TV. It was kind of like our little getaway from the house. Mm-hmm. And so we were chilling off to the side of the room. I had a s- cell phone on the chair and the cell phone flew about like four to six feet, just like shot off the chair. And we didn't have animals at the time. We didn't have, um, like, there was nobody else around. It's not like the cell phone, like, just flopped off the chair. Like, it just shot across the room. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a breeze. It, no. Yeah, breeze isn't going to really <laughs> no. know, do that. Um, my ex actually, you like. You don't have a big breeze right in the yeah. middle of the room. No, no he was the type of person that, like, you could close the windows. And, like, if he could wall up a window, like, that was the type of person he was. Like, there was no open windows, no open doors in that house. <laughs> like, remind me of outside where inside right now right right yeah he was that kind of person um so yeah this this phone flew across the room and it was like okay we're done we're done and then we moved into the apartment complex that i'm at now so. yeah and, so, and everything's yeah everything's yeah 100 latered on that house <laughs> yeah no like it was immediately after that we started looking for a new place to live like if was it's starting reason, to throw like, shit okay, not just like done. mess with electronics but if it's starting to throw shit no. <laughs> so up until the cell phone incident, it was mainly, mostly harmless, mostly just kind of annoying. It was like, it like was just like the annoying. feeling. It was the creepy, the annoying, like the, the heaviness, um, you know, weighs you down. The night terrors were awful. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I, I'm pretty convinced that there's some sort of like ghost in my house. Like I've, I had sleep paralysis chronically while sleeping in this one part of mm-hmm. my bedroom like the giant walk-in closet but i don't no longer sleep there and then there was one time where a picture literally flew off the wall at jarek when he was walking by which it was a picture of like him as a baby which is weird that is weird and he was walking by and i thought maybe he just knocked some stuff off the dresser at first but it was the actual picture had just literally flown off the wall and taken out some of the stuff that was on the dresser or top. I mean, you could wow. see it strewn across the room. 
it wasn't just like, oh, it came off its nail and like kind of fell and yeah. took some other stuff out with it. It was just like, no, this thing like flew off the wall and took some shit out and it landed way across the room. It was it was pretty crazy. That's really weird. And then I've had a thing with like the the lights flickering, the grudge lights, although I did get some resolution on that. So apparently like our house just has like old wiring and my mom was getting like um these like the new high energy like LED like oil ball bulbs light bulbs mm-hmm. oh and they just weren't getting enough power and yeah and so that's why the lights uh, were constantly flickering like uh, in the bathroom it was like a strobe light because yeah. at first you could like if you fucked with the switch enough you could get it to like stay on but then it would go back <laughs> to strobe light mode and so finally i just tried some regular light bulbs and holy shit and holy shit it works there's still one out there in the hallway out there that just it doesn't flicker but it'll just randomly turn off and then turn on again hey well and that's, it really freaks my daughter out but at least at, at least, least the bathroom at one is resolved because shit. let me tell you i was so tired of shitting in the dark uh, I, cannot right? even, <laughs> <laughs> I cannot because you just couldn't have it on because it was literally like a strobe light at least so it's either you're shitting in strobe light or you're shitting in the pitch black shitting in the, the, the light or of your phone. you know you're leaving the door open which you know with nobody wants many, to know many, <laughs> nobody wants to share that although you know when like you have Joanna kids it's basically with, like yeah. you have no privacy anyways yeah. oh, i yeah. mean i only probably in the last two years started to be able to go to the bathroom by myself so there's that but but yeah now it's like oh lights are on i can fully close the door and turn on the fan and you know Take a dump in private in the light. <laughs> finally, finally, finally. <laughs> it's the little things in life. Well, that's a crazy, <laughs> a crazy story about that house. I don't know if I would have lasted that long there. I would, I think I would have been like, "Fuck it, I'm out." Dude, rented a house with a yard that's, for nine hundred I mean, yeah. bucks in Redmond, dude. Like, that kept like there. This should have been the yeah. tip off right there. Yeah, no shit, is the no fact shit. that you were finding a house with a yard for nine hundred bucks a month in Redmond? Like, obviously oh, yeah. something's going on. There's something shady about this deal. Oh yeah. There's houses that I've been looking at in Kansas, and there's this one that's like. I mean, they're all, like, super cheap compared to here. But oh, there's, like, Jesus, this yeah. one that's, like, a mansion, and it's huge. It's, like, like five bathroom, five bedrooms and three bathrooms and, like, a full wraparound porch. It's, like, a historic, beautiful thing. And the damn thing is, like, under 100000 Like, holy Christ. And, and it's been on the market forever, and it looks like it's in really good condition. I just want to be like, what the fuck is wrong with this house? Probably haunted as fuck. Why do people, like, not want to buy this house when there's, like, smaller less fancy houses that are in like the 120 range i mean this is like thirty thousand, like under what something you know smaller and plainer i mean this is a gorgeous fucking house i will show you a picture of it in a minute but yeah i i just wanted i just want to know so bad like what's wrong with this house <laughs> clever segue into the topic uh haunted pioneer square Haunted Pioneer Square. I was just in Pioneer Square. I took pictures of the totem pole. It's haunted. Did you know? Did you know that? I did know that one. You, there's haunted. actually yeah. tours you can go on. Hmm. Since this first became an area, Seattle, or Pioneer Square rather, it was kind of a rough and tumble place. Uh, shootings and robberies were pretty common, and booze flowed like whiskey. What? <laughs> <laughs> This was also a place where the homeless congregated and attempted to survive, struggling for food and warmth. It was common to find a corpse in the alley. 
In addition to all of this, there was corrupt cops and greedy business owners vying for control of Pioneer Square. It sounds a lot like today, actually. I was like, I don't think anything's mm-hmm. changed. Yeah. Yeah. Similar. <laughs> similar. Well, there's less, less shootings now. Um, yeah, those have moved elsewhere. Mm-hmm. There were around 20 shootouts between the cops and the business owners between 1890 and 1902. That'd be like the Lakewood area. Uh, <laughs> the worst of the times here was between was between 1850 and, eight, and 1935. The fire that happened in 1889 fucked up the city, but somehow didn't actually kill anybody. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, after the fire, the city built these sidewalks that were elevated above the buildings, so you'd have to go down the stairs to get below. You know, to go to the shops and shit. Mm-hmm. Well, like 17 people died from falling down the sidewalks. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, they'd fall off the stairs or through the holes. And uh, you're just walking along and just like, boom, <laughs> fucking. Yeah, just each just and fall like from far up and then die. Yeah. And so there's all kinds of ghosts. I mean, there's haunted ghost tours. You can go. You can. Yeah, I know that there's like on. the underground tour that like there's goes, an underground tour. Yeah. And then there's also the haunted ghost tours. I still haven't done the underground tour lived here my whole life and i haven't, haven't done, done either done i think we should either. do a haunted ghost tour i think that would be fun i think that would be amazing that guys. would be fun a haunted ghost tour <laughs> i need to be more of a tourist in my own city i know i haven't done anything i haven't even been up the space needle so i did the i did the yeah, sound heart and stroke rock last weekend and, yeah i saw the pictures and uh when i was walking i parked really far away and i i walked through pioneer square and i walked i went to pike place market which I thought they hadn't been to in, like, years. I was like, oh, I'll take a little detour through the market and everything. And I'm just like, God. Well, number one, it's just, like, it was annoying, though, because it's, like, I was really hungry, but every single shop had, like, a line out the fucking oh, door. Oh, yeah, totally, like, totally. Yeah, so there's that. That's probably why I don't play tourist in my own city is because I don't want to deal with all the fucking people. True that. <laughs> but, well? But, yeah. Pioneer Square, that's where I got assaulted by the furry. Yep, that's a good story. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that there is a castle in Washington? Yes. It's in Tacoma, Lakewood area. Ew. That's right, a castle. Construction started in 1908 and was completed in 1911. In 1907, this guy named Thorne bought a 400-year-old Elizabethan manor in England, had it torn apart, and shipped to Washington brick by brick. Jesus fucking Christ. In addition it to these really bricks pretty. being used in construction, they also used the oak paneling, oak staircase, and stained glass from the English manor. The outside-facing red brick was imported from Wales. The castle has 27,000 square feet of living space, or 2,508 square meters. It's got 54 rooms, 22 bedrooms, and 22 bathrooms are included in the 54. Originally, this land was used by the local natives as an annual gathering place where trade and whatnot would take place. While the castle was being built, it's said that some of the Native American workers buried wishbone-shaped good luck totems all around the basement. And you can still find wishbones here and there in seemingly intentionally placed areas. Hmm. Is this like the inspiration for... Rose Red. Actually, they this filmed. Week. Yep. Did they? Because mm-hmm. yep. I mean, this is sounding like really familiar, and I, I yeah. remember Rose Red is like the the house yeah. in Seattle or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, they they filmed it there. I wish it was actually in Seattle, not in fucking Lakewood. Too bad old yeah. Thorn didn't, you know, foresee like what a lovely place that area was going to turn into. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cadwallader Colden Course was married to Thorn's daughter. One night, hell of a name. 
Cadwallader Colden Course. Well, no, I think that's kind of a dick name to give your kid. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds like an awesome drinking game. (laughs) How many many times can you say this guy's name? Not even once. Right? (laughs) I'm drunk. (laughs) One night, he was rushed to the hospital with a gunshot wound to the head. He survived it. No one knows how this occurred, but it's speculated that this was a suicide attempt. He did eventually die as, you know. As people, people do. do. Mm-hmm. And his spirit can be seen walking from a camouflaged bathroom under the staircase on the ground floor to the grand fireplace room. So it's just a bathroom that's under the staircase. So the door shuts and it just looks like it's just a staircase. But there's a sneaky little bathroom there. Oh, wow. Nothing like a hidden bathroom. Hey. When you really need some privacy. Exactly. And you can turn <laughs> on the light and it doesn't flash. And <laughs> you can poop in private. <laughs> be at one with your thoughts for a change. Um. Thorne's wife has been seen sitting in her room at the window overlooking the garden. The room is now the bridal suite, which has one of the original mirrors in it still. Her reflection can sometimes be seen in this mirror. So a bride or whatever is doing her hair or makeup, and then she'll see this lady in the mirror. Thorne himself has been seen walking around. He wears turn-of-the-century writing clothes and even confronts guests and asks them what they're doing there before disappearing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. The Thorn's kind of a dick like that, huh? I mean, he's probably just confused why this random harlot is in his in his house. Because, yeah, I was like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> you know, any, any, well, anybody is dressed not like he's accustomed to people dressing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're supposed to be in evening suits and shit. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> State your business, sir. Yeah, except not an English accent because he's in fucking Tacoma. Yeah, but didn't he import that? Didn't he import the fucking thing from? Yeah, England? but that's just the castle. Yeah, but I think like you know everyone kind of like said stuff that way even a long time ago. It wasn't that long ago. It was the 1900s. Yeah, well, long ago that I mean Tacoma wasn't fucking Tacoma. Otherwise, he never would have like. <laughs> it's true. Shipped his expensive fucking castle over there. Fair it's like answer. you know what? Fair I have this answer. beautiful estate in England, and I'm gonna. Bring it brick by brick over to fucking Tacoma, to Lakewood, <laughs> because that's the place this castle needs to reside. That's, okay, well, that's, that's, yeah, that's so. fair. I love the yeah. smell of misery and garbage mm-hmm. <laughs> so much. It just, it just hits hard. I mean, I just don't understand how anyone even lives in Tacoma with that stink. Like, every single time I have to drive through it, it's just like... They yeah. just get used to it, I bet. I mean, it's just, the whole thing just smells like fart. I mean, it's just like... It's There's so the hard-boiled bad. egg factory that's right in the center of town. <laughs> I think it's actually a paper mill. Yeah, that it's, a paper, it's those... a paper something but, I mean, factory of some sort, yeah. You would think in, t- in this day and age they would learn to, like, make it so it doesn't smell. And, I mean, how does it permeate through, like, half the city? I mean, not all of it smells. You, when you first get into Tacoma, it's not that bad. Yeah. It's like when you just kind of... Probably depends on the wind. It depends on the wind and the weather, but I mean, there's always a point where it's just like, oh, there it is. There's the uh, fucking found smell. Found it. Found it. It smells like so at work, they had used to have to soak leather in water and put it over the casts and then press them. That way it, they wouldn't stick or something. I don't know. But it smelled like Tacoma. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like leathery feet. Yep. So oh, at this castle. At this castle, they have reported ghostly smells. I'm sure that's in addition to the Tacoma smells. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sound of servants moving around their quarters have been heard. 
books moving, footsteps, voices. There's a report of, of, of a. There are also reports of a small child being seen standing to, at the lake shore, and those will like see a child and be like, "Oh my God!" and rush down, then the child won't be there, and that's supposed to be a grandchild of a former owner who drowned. Mm. We also have a mental hospital. We actually have two. Just three, actually. Oh, the yeah. third one is the one we'll be talking about. Or the third built one. There yeah. may be more now or less, but right. when this was built, it was built as a third. This is the Northern State Mental Hospital in yeah. Cedro Woolley. In 1911, the hospital opened for business and before long became the largest asylum in Washington State. Patients from the northwestern part of the state were all sent here, so King County and then the surrounding counties pretty much. The patients here were treated in various ways, one of which was, in fact, farm work. They believed that physical labor would aid in their recovery, so they just would send them out to the fucking fields and shit. I think this is also maybe a little, you know, opportunistic for them. Maybe a bit. It's a like, bit. you know, we need some good slave labor going on here. They also used electroshock <laughs> therapy. Shocker. Uh, yo, yeah, I see what you did there. High five from across the room. <laughs> they yeah, also gotcha. performed lobotomies. Oh. Uh, they would sometimes sterilize people for the greater good. Lovely. It said that many of the patients were kids and that they were there for sometimes what we would recognize as like, oh, I don't know, ADD. Uh, they'd send in postmenopausal women because they're acting all crazy. No one is just hormones being cruel. Yes. Allegedly, thousands of people died here. And behind the gym is an overgrown graveyard with one tombstone and around 1,500 bodies with no records as to who they are. 1,500? Seriously? 1,500. From 1913 to 1955, a crematorium was used for corpses. <gasps> After... That's like, like a concentration camp. That was like an in-house crematorium. After 1955, the hospital used the local one and got rid of their in-house one. Once Northern State closed, they found 204 containers of cremated remains in the morgue that had yet to be buried. This isn't the morgue on site. This is the off-site morgue. So this is after they already this were This is after they were, like, filled to capacity And I don't know how... Site. I couldn't figure out how big these containers were, but I'm sure they weren't small. I imagine them being like five gallon drums or something for just one body no, no. i mean that's oh, like a no. shoe box. i don't think that it's just a container with one body i think it's a whole bunch of bodies dumped into these containers oh but i don't know because i that's not that's just how i read it gotcha it could be that they went body by body but i don't really think that's the case yeah, usually they're like uh like book sized or mm -hmm. shoebox sized yeah, yeah. Shoebox. I, yeah. i'm, I'm not sure remains. like i said i'm not sure the size of the containers but they had 204 of them regardless any ashes unclaimed were buried in the hawthorne cemetery in mount vernon this hospital closed in 1973 though most of the main part of the hospital is used as a drug treatment facility by job corps people have witnessed a little girl with a red ball and a man looking for her a ghost they call Fred, who tosses bedpans and sheets. What a fucking dick. Tossing bedpans. Mm-hmm. Bedpans uh, in their contents. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. People also have seen a nurse hanging from a noose. And then cold spots have been reported all over. Well, that's 
fucking awful. That's not the best. <laughs> do you have more stories, Joanna? I do have more stories. I think uh, I'll uh, get into my true crime story okay. here. I think that's a lovely idea. Tell us about your true crime story, Joanna. So, real quick background on this. American Horror Story, uh, season one, Murder House. Watched it, Rachel? Oh, yeah. It's still my favorite season. The first season? I've seen the first season. Yeah, the first season is still my favorite. I've seen a lot of, I, don't, I haven't seen like the last like two recent I haven't either. ones. And I I like the other ones, but that I have seen. But Murder House is still like my baby. Oh yeah, I can watch Murder House like over and over again. Great stuff. So in this season of American Horror Story, they depict um, a killing in like 1968 where this guy broke in and killed two nurses, nursing students, mm-hmm. and then they. Um, you know, those fuckwads come back and try and, like, recreate the crime at Murder House. Yeah. So, that original murder was actually based on an an actual murder committed by uh, one Richard Speck. Richard Speck. Dick Speck? Speck. Yeah, Dick Speck. Dick Speck. (laughs) Um, And it's actually interesting because they actually toned it down quite a bit in the show it's much less than what actually happened uh in the show it's two nurses killed when uh this fucking piece of shit actually killed eight nurses in one night although i think that they toned it down just to make it fit in the context of the storyline because i think i actually know this story now that i think about it yeah it's pretty famous is he, yeah, I think I, it's I, like one of the first like mass murders like. Yeah, ever. I think I do remember this. So, Richard Speck was born on December sixth, nineteen forty one, in Kirtwood, Illinois. He was the seventh of eight children. His father Benjamin uh, died when Richard was six years old, and I guess he was really close with his dad. His mom was like the overbearing religious type. Uh, you know, shunned alcohol and probably fun of any kind. God-fearing. Yes, yeah. 100%. No masturbation, no nothing. <laughs> so, three years after his father dies in 1950, his mother gets married again to a guy named Carl Limber, who is a traveling insurance salesman. Um, How many years after? Like three. That tramp. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he thought so. Um, and of course the guy was like basically a drunk piece of shit, which is weird for somebody like her to like pick a guy like him. He had like an extensive criminal record. He was very she wanted to fix abusive him. uh to to Richard and his younger sister. They ended up relocating to Texas. They first go to Santo, Texas, which is like forty miles from Fort Worth. Interesting side note here. This is in 1950. Uh, my mother was currently residing in Fort Worth, Texas, because this is where she grew up. She would have been like eight years old and living in Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah. So she was here. She was there for Dick Speck. 
<laughs> and then she well, was also there in Chicago for the Tylenol things. <laughs> for the Tylenol things. And then the mur- the nurses are murdered in Chicago. Oh, was she there for that too? Um, Probably. I want to say yes because I feel like my sister was already born at this time. So, yeah, they were definitely living in Chicago. Damn. My oldest sister. Mm-hmm. Yep. Chicago or the greater Chicago area. So, yeah, my mom's been... You know, kind of on the outskirts of them. Close to dick spec. <laughs> Fucking shit. So after they live in Santo briefly, they uh, move to Dallas, Texas. His first arrest is at age 13 for trespassing. And at this point, he starts drink- drinking heavily, hanging out with like a tough crowd, carrying a switchblade, using drugs. You know the story. Oh, yeah. We all know Leather jacket Slits his hair back. He did flick his hair Bad back. Um, yeah. Listens to a lot of rockabilly. <laughs> Total rebel. Except, you know, also like a fucking shit. Because he, at age 20, so he drops out of school. Because, you know, he can't, he can't dig that. And fails all his classes. Blah, blah, blah. But 1961, he's 20 years old. He meets this chick shirley malone who is 15 years old and after a few weeks of dating he knocks her up and so they immediately get married because that's kind of what you do yeah in like the early 60s yeah 50s, it's like oh you're pregnant time to get married that must have sucked so bad yeah seriously yeah. well it seriously did for her because he was like a complete fucking asshole to her uh, their daughter, Robbie Lynn, was born in 1952. He was not there because he was in jail, again, because he was just kind of, like, always, like, in and out of jail at this point. And nice. he was nice. really cruel to her. Like, he he demanded, like, sex from her constantly, um, would accuse her of cheating on him and, like, you know, call her all sorts of awful names. And then he would pick up women in bars and, like, pull up in the driveway and, like, make out with them in front of her and then, like, laugh at her and then take off. I mean, that's terrible. what a fucking yeah. ass. Just that's really terrible. Uh-huh. Super rude. And, I mean, he's one of these guys who's, he's, like, totally, like, cheating and all that kind of stuff, but then accuses her and, like, it's furious with her accusing her of cheating projecting it all yeah on her. exactly projecting all his shit upon well, her if i'm doing this and you're probably doing this because right. i'm doing it i hate that fucking shit so much it's ridiculous so in 1963 he goes to he ends up doing a couple of years for check fraud and burglary he started like breaking the houses nice yep in 1965 he was charged with aggravated assault because he attacked a woman at knife point in the uh, parking lot of her apartment building, but he fled when she screamed. And he was caught, and it was actually more of like an attempted rape situation, but it got knocked down to aggravated assault. So he did 16 months for that. So this is, when is this about? So he gets out in like 1966. Okay, okay. and during the 16 month stint in prison is when he gets a tattoo saying born to raise hell on his forearm, like a very large. Right, kind of like where. To kind of where, where your Depeche Mode rose yeah. is. 
so January 1966, Shirley, his his wife, um, files for divorce, and you know, I'm sure she she gets it. Yeah, <laughs> good move on her part. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like oh no, great idea. This guy is not good. Yes, absolutely. So she files for divorce, and within one month of her filing for divorce, he ends up getting in a knife fight in a bar and stabs a guy. As one does. Yep. Again, charges got reduced to disturbing the peace. Yes, yes. (laughs) You know, like stabbing people, that is technically disturbing. I mean, they're not wrong. It is disturbing the peace. (laughs) At this point, he then... Right. He burglarizes a grocery store and leaves his car in the parking lot. And so, therefore, police kind of tie him to the crime. Like, oh, this probably a douchebag. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, just not known, I guess, I mean, not the smartest. Yeah, I hope he's pretty. No. 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 He's not. He's not at all. He might get a little prettier later but we'll maybe that's we'll why he's that. <laughs> like taking up a life of crime is because he's not smart or pretty yeah could be could be i think he's just mostly like a angry misogynistic piece of shit you know that could be it too you know... could be it what do you think rachel <laughs> uh it sounds like he's got some trauma and got some uh got some shit going on in there. <laughs> yeah a right. bit, a bit, and, uh, a bit. But you know what we all have trauma and i really i really hate these fucking assholes that go out and like you know rape and murder women and do stuff like that and then essentially like blame women like they're the victims oh well like you know my mom was like you know married some other guy and you know my wife was cheating on me so that's a valid excuse for me to go out and like rape and kill people like i mean come on right like that happens to a whole bunch of people that don't do that right exactly exactly so like I would never dismiss that person's behavior whatsoever. It just shines a light on how be- they became the person that they are. Oh, they yeah. still can they still can be a piece of shit. Like I'm I'm not going to take that label away from them, but like you have a better <laughs> understanding of how like how their piece of shit came to be. Right. And how it smells. <laughs> <laughs> well, I 100% feel that you know Children and teenagers even are definitely a pro- you a product the product of the environment in which they were raised. Oh, I mean, yeah. I myself had certain like thing you know beliefs that I was raised with and things that I thought about stuff that that is like one hundred percent like not me now, but that was the influence of like my parents and their belief and the influence of my peer group. Yeah, there are nature and nurture aspects. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But, you know, this amazing thing happens when you become an adult and you, like, learn to think for your fucking self. Right. Like, how, like, a lot of people, like, maybe went to high school, like, yeah, people were very, like, anti-gay and, and uh, you know, my parents were very, you know, religious and thought this and that. And all of a sudden it's just like, you know what, actually, this doesn't bother me. And I'm like, okay with this because this is me thinking for myself and realizing like, yeah, there's nothing, nothing wrong with, with love and people loving each other, no matter. Well, I mean, I guess there are some limits. (laughs) (laughs) Safe saying consensual. Yeah. But you know, (laughs) hey, you know, consenting adults loving each other. 
you know, really, what is it that bothers it? That bothers me so much about that. Like nothing, actually. Yeah, no. Well, the other thing about. that I throw in there too is the capacity for consent too. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, like, you could be over the age of eighteen but have a mental disorder. Oh yeah. So that capacity for consent, in my eyes, is going to be a hindrance. They now become a moral agent, or excuse me, a moral patient rather than a moral agent. So their decision making is not going to be the same, right? As right. somebody of a sound and then mind also you can be. Like just a, a typical functioning adult who is rendered incapacitated by drugs oh. and alcohol. Oh, too. yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, for no, sure. that's a good thing to throw in there, for sure. But, yeah, I'm just saying, like, up until a point, you know, you're raised in an, an angry environment or you're raised in a bigoted environment. Like, yeah, I can see a kid and a teenager emulating that a lot. But at some point, it's like, no, you're thinking for yourself and choosing for yourself. Like, am I going to continue these beliefs because I really believe them, or am I going to get over to... it because it's yeah, just so much easier not to hate, right? Oh exactly, my God. Like, exactly. Can you imagine having to be bigoted all the time? It would be such a pain in the ass. Oh, and it's just like, dude, like, why do you just want to live this like angry, awful, mad life? I just don't understand. Like, don't you have enough just... hate to spread to everybody equally? <laughs> I mean, come on, <laughs> right? It just seems like it manif- It takes so much energy to like put all that hatred out there and to like actively hate people for like no other reason than, you know, color of their skin or their sexual orientation. It's just whatever. But, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, obviously dude did not have a happy childhood. I will give him that, but I think he 100% chose to be a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck dick spec. Yeah. Totally. Fuck dick spec. Oh my God. So, Leaves his car in the parking lot at the scene of his most recent burglary. He then fled Texas, but a warrant was issued for his arrest because they could tie him to the to the burglary. So then he goes back to Illinois and stays with uh, some of his remaining siblings that were there, some family friends. You know, he kind of goes from house to house. People are kind of putting him up, giving him work. Couchsurfing. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> exactly. So... April 3rd, 1966, uh, one Mrs. Virgil Harris, a 65-year-old widow, was bound and gagged by an intruder in her home in the night. Oh, good. Yeah. And then she was raped and $2.50 that I guess she had earned babysitting that evening was taken from her purse along with some other items from her house. She described her attacker as being very soft-spoken, and had a southern drawl. Now, four days after this, a woman, a 32-year-old woman, Mary Pierce, uh, was reported missing. She was last seen leaving a bar that Richard Speck was known to frequent. The bar was called Frank's Place, so she worked there. Four days later, her body was discovered, and she had been beaten to death. Put it in perspective, the two dollars and fifty cents he stole was twenty bucks today. Under twenty bucks, like nineteen dollars and change. Yeah, I mean it seemed like a really small amount and you know it's yeah, still it's still a still, small amount. I, yeah. Either way, what happened to shaking out your couch cushions, man? <laughs> like no shit. Yeah. you all no out of cushions for the day. <laughs> oh man. So police questioned him in connection to both the rape and the murder 
and they were basically like, okay, well, don't leave town because we're going to want to talk to you a little bit further about this. I feel like he leaves town. Yes. Do you see where this is going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So wouldn't you know, he packed up his suitcase uh, and told the, I guess he was staying at that, some hotel and he was just like, oh, I'm just going to go do laundry. And then he took off. He just likes how the laundry is in a different state. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like doing laundry in <laughs> Illinois or wherever he is right now. Illinois, right? Yeah, Illinois. Yeah. So Back to Texas? Oh, no, he's got warrants there. No, he's got a warrant out in Texas, but uh, get this. The police search his hotel room after, you know, when they're like, oh, hey, where did you go, dude? Oh, you're, you took off? Okay, let's look through your belongings that you left behind at the hotel. And they did find some of Mrs. Harris's, the the woman who was raped. They found some of her personal effects in his hotel room. So oh, good. They essentially could tie him to that crime, at least. And another warrant was issued for his arrest. Okay, two warrants, and mm-hmm. he's two gone. Two warrants. And guess where he ends up getting a job? The fucking Merchant Marines. Oh, right. Literally because the Merchant Marines sailing around on a ship here. Even though you had to be fingerprinted and photographed, I mean, 19 fucking 66. This is like the epitome of being able to like get away with some shit. You have warrants out in like two different states. And you still can go pass a background test. Right, exactly. Easily. Easily. Like, oh yeah, take my fucking fingerprints. That's fine. Yeah, like I don't fucking care. I'm not worried about that at all. Right. Right. In another state. Yep. You could use your like real name still and everything, and it's like you know, get run through some computer or anything like that, and where it comes up, like, yeah, wanted. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe grew a mustache, parted his hair a different way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, how did anybody get caught doing anything? They barely did, and then they, if, if if they got caught, they broke out. <laughs> it's like, how did you break out of jail? Ah, uh, I was just thinking about the Alcatraz. Yeah. On the other yeah. day. Because, I mean, Alcatraz is supposed to be haunted, you know? Oh, yeah, I'm sure yeah, of that. But, oh, uh, yeah. But I just, I love it. I love it. So, he's a merchant marine for a while. He eventually is kicked off the ship and loses his job because uh, he uh, attacks his senior officer. <laughs> yeah, you shocking. Know, he's, like, drunk all the time and then, you know... Probably gets confronted by a senior officer, and he's just like, hey, fuck you, dude. Takes gonna... a swing at him mm-hmm. or something. Yep. And I'm so, dick spec. Yep. Off the ship he goes. And back to Illinois he goes, to the Chicago area. Huh. And this is when he commits, you know, the worst of the worst. The murder of eight student nurses in one night so the date is seven thirteen sixty six. so putting this in context his wife filed for divorce and he fled texas like january 1966 this is all in like six months he has stabbed a guy he has uh raped a woman probably likely beat to death another woman and now joined the merchant marines and then got fired yes and now we come to july 13th 1966 he knocks on the door of a townhouse that uh nursing students for south south chicago community hospital uh they currently currently reside there and 23 year old corazon amaro answers the door 
and he basically puts a gun in her face. Oh, good. And makes his way into the house. Now, side note here, he gets this gun because earlier that day he was drinking all day at a bar and he somehow had an interaction with a 53-year-old woman. He forced her into his hotel room where he uh, bound and raped her and then she had the gun in her purse and so he stole that from her. Oh, good. Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> so... He uses that gun to gain entry to the house that the nursing students all live at. So there are six nursing students home at the time, and then three are out. So at first he just takes all of their, um, like, you know, he takes their purses and collects all their money from them. And then he starts tying them up one by one. The first one who actually came back from being out was Gloria Davy. She was out on a date with her fiance. And she kind of comes home to this shit going on. It's fucking wonderful. Yeah. So she's also tied up. God. He, yeah. He cut the, the bed sheet apart. Or several bed sheets apart and tied them all up. Right. One by one. And during this process, two other nurses came home as well. Jesus fucking Christ. And he, That is just the worst. Yeah, and he tied them up. And then, after they've all been bound and gagged, he starts taking them one by one to a different room. And stabbing them to death. Great. Yes. Yes. And how fucking terrifying for everybody. Like, Jesus Christ. The people sitting there waiting, watching people get drug off, mm -hmm. possibly hearing their screams, at least seeing him come back covered in fucking blood or more bloody, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And the panic and everything, the helplessness that you'd feel. Oh, yeah. God. Like, that's pretty immense. He saved <clears throat> Gloria Davy for last. He was the only, uh, she was the only one uh, that he sexually assaulted. So he raped her, sodomized her, you know, every just despicable thing that you could do to another human being before stabbing her to death. Jesus Christ. One thought that I had as you were reading that. It was kind of like a sarcastic thought at the same time. So you've got this group of five, and he had led his way in with a gun. Mm -hmm. And then if he tied them up individually with bedsheets, at some point in time, he's got to put the gun down. Right. So it's almost like you, like, it's so hard because when you're in that situation, you never know what you're going to do. We'd all love to say, like, oh, I'd be the hero or whatever. Mm -hmm. You never know what you're going to do, but you, like, just that thought of, there's five of them. Well, maybe he had one of the other ones tie the other ones up. Maybe. That's possible. That's what I would do. Right. Maybe. There was actually, there was six, and then three come back. Um, so a total of nine? Yes. Yeah, so... But what I would say on that is I think 
you know, these were all like really young girls. Like, so oh, all yeah, the victims were like 19 shitless. and 24. And also, I think that they, you know, in they're all nursing students, they're kind of taught to like, you know, de escalate situations to be a calming presence. And I think that there was maybe just some hold up that they could like kind of still talk their way out of that. That, you right. know, if they are compliant, then he's just going to. He'll just take whatever he wants and he'll go and he'll right. leave them alone. And that's the other thing, too. Like, thinking about that time period, too. Like, mm-hmm. this is, what, 66? Yes. So, definitely that, and I mean, not that they've completely changed, but the female role was so much different than it is now. I mean, it's still very right. similar. Right. And there's still a lot of those same borders, but you see more of those borders being broken down. Whereas mm-hmm. then it was a very strict, like, steel box of what you're supposed to do and what you're not capable of doing. Yeah, you know? and just how you were raised and conditioned. Like, even right. now, I feel like we're still not raised to be aggressive in that way. It's It kind of goes against our nature when we are feeling, like, intimidated by a man to, um, you know, to be forceful and to be like, no, because our, I think our instinct is to more, like, um, kind of use psychology or use some something to to kind of like you know placate them to and then to extract yourself from the situation. Right. You don't want to um enrage them further. By right. Survival mm. technique. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like like that thing with the, the football game with the guy. You know, like I was I was telling my imaginary boyfriend about the the thing later on in the evening because he happened to come over and I was telling him about like yeah this guy was drunk and he put his arm on me and he's like lurking he's like an inch away from my face telling me how cute I am and you know this is like somebody's dad like on my son's lacrosse team right we're at a football game like for his high school like all of his peers are around and like dude and and he was just kind of like oh my god you should have shot him like I just would have wanted to shot him or you should have headbutted him or he just yelled and made a scene and but I mean, that's not what I did at all. I was just kind of like trying to like, oh, you know, like, okay, like kind of extract myself from the situation. Right. Aided by my 10 year old daughter who came out of the bathroom. But thank God. But yeah, exactly. But it's just, it's hard to explain like, yeah, why I can't, couldn't just stop and make a huge scene. And, well, um, and how embarrassing for both of you. Right. And the kids, like, it's right. like, I know you've got that mama instinct in you. So like, you would never want to you know embarrass your kid like, like not yeah, like exactly. that right like, huge scene, like in front but, of like all my son's friends that are at the game yeah. i mean it's just yeah and nobody wants to go to that pta meeting afterwards right. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> and so yeah i mean i can just see where even though the, like they outnumbered him I, I i can see why they were compliant and why nobody oh yeah rushed totally. him. And i'm sure he had his, his pistol within reach right yeah you're conditioned to act in a certain way conditioned for obedience <sighs> which is like awful but mm-hmm. there it is it's unfortunately undeniable that it is something that occurs mm-hmm. yeah yeah although i know one of them like spit in his face at one point like when he was tying her up because i think maybe at that point you know they realized that this was right like this was maybe not yeah and you know good for her what were their names so the names 
were so Gloria Davy, Patricia Matusik, Nina Joe Schmali, Pamela Wilkening, Suzanne Ferris, Mary Ann Jordan, Merlita Gargulio, and Valentina Passion. So the gal who had opened the door initially. Yeah. Corazon. While this was all going on and he was taking them back one by one and stabbing them to death, she managed to roll under one of the beds and hide. Like all tied up, just rolled yeah. under a bed? Mm-hmm. Because wow. I think he basically had him like hogtied. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she actually managed to get underneath one of, a, one of the beds and I guess... Probably he lost count and just didn't realize yeah. she was missing. Just after like, you, I don't know. I, you know, stabbed. There's a bunch of nurses. Right. So after you've stabbed like eight people to death, didn't really realize that there was like a ninth one, lost count, whatever. But she stayed hidden. And at six in the morning, she finally rolls out. I mean, oh, my God. Can you just imagine? Uh, it's God, no. Yeah. Holy God. <laughs> yeah. In in that case, I I wonder if it would be, if it would be worse to be a victim or worse to be a survivor. Oh my gosh! Like, I that know. is that is, a living with those kinds of night. You know, like we were talking about the nine one one callers, a dispatch. Mm-hmm. Like you're living through this. You're not just mm-hmm. like coaxing somebody on the other side of the phone, which is still just as frightening. But like you're living through this. I don't know. I think stabbing to death is excruciatingly painful. Well, yes, there is that too. So maybe, but I mean, you I know. guess you're done after a bit. But still, that's a, like that that bit before you're dead. Fucking sucks. I'm sure. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I can't oh, even yeah. imagine, but. I can't imagine you would have some major survivor skills. Yeah. 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 But she comes out from the bed. She's managed to ha- has now managed to kind of like free herself enough to where she comes out and she makes it out of a window and she kind of crawls out onto the ledge because I mean, it's been quiet for hours, but who even knows? knows i mean is he still around like what oh my god how much how terrifying would that be to even get out from under that bed from where you've been hiding oh yeah i mean i'd be terrified oh my god because i would just be terrified he'd just be like waiting there the whole time for me just like waiting for me to come out and think i was safe and then oh so she gets out onto a ledge and she starts screaming for help and the words that she screams are, I'm the only one alive. Oh, God, I'm the only one alive. Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yet again, that question of, is is death, you know, better than being a survivor? Like, I did ah. read some, not a whole lot, but um, I did kind of skim through some stuff about about her and that she's quoted to saying that she tries to find happiness and smile every day. Because probably that's the only way that you're going to cope with something like that happening. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. So so it seems like she's gone on to, um, you know, have a fairly normal life, which is, which is fortunate. Yeah, it's good. I mean, shit, if you're going to survive, you may as well not just survive, but actually live. Yes, exactly. and it's her. She was able to give a very accurate description to the police, including his 
born to raise hell tattoo nice and so they caught that motherfucker so at least that is out on the front page of the news within hours and that's the point that he realizes like oh shit there's a living witness and they can easily id me so he tries to kill himself he is in he's holed up in whatever you know shitty motel he was staying in and he slashes his own wrists but he didn't die. A, a hotel worker actually came in and found him and called an ambulance. Oh, shit. So he ends up at Cook County Hospital. Been to that hospital, side note. Oh. When I lived in Chicago and nice. had an allergic reaction to getting stung on the lip by a wasp. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the one that, you know, e, the show ER was based off of. Cook oh, wow. County General. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, so anyways, he's uh, he's rushed there and they're you know, treating him and wiping the blood away from the forearm and the doctor sees the tattoo and notifies the police. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, buddy, you're remember, fucked now. Remember, kids, if you're going to commit a bunch of crimes, don't get marks that can be recognized. Or maybe just don't commit a bunch of crimes. Um, I think that don't, would be a way better way to go with okay, that. Moral of the story for the evening. Whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, don't whatever, be whatever. Dick. Don't be a dick speck. Yes. Don't be a don't dick, be speck. dick speck. Good don't call, be, Rachel. Don't, be, don't a be a dick speck. So, dick speck is caught, arrested, uh, sentenced to death, but then that is overturned because Illinois stop doing the death penalty oh. like at some point they're just like oh yeah we're, we're not gonna do this anymore so it was changed and to so life. it was converted to life in prison but it was one of those like life sentences where you could still be eligible for parole oh but he was denied seven times yeah good for parole good good yeah is he dead now he is dead now good, so he good. died december 5th 1991 so he died one day short of his 50th birthday he had a heart attack Nice. Now, five years after he died, this is fucking weird. Some anonymous lawyer like submits some, um, some video footage that was taken in the Illinois State Penitentiary of him and some other inmates. And I don't even know what the context was of like who is filming this and what the fuck is going on in the state pen in Illinois. I think part of it being submitted was to show that there is just a shitload of corruption going on there because here's Dick Speck and he's wearing women's underwear and he has boobs like a nice set of fucking tits I saw the video really yeah I mean this guy's turned straight up into like Buffalo Bill from the Silence of the Lambs, Crazy. and I am not shitting you one bit. So he had... He reminded me so much of fucking Buffalo, but, you know, would you fuck me? You know, I mean, so he had titties, probably because they smuggled, like, female hormones in. Huh. And he's wearing, like, underwear, and at some point, like, this wasn't in the video that I saw, because it was, like, edited for television and stuff. Fucking... So he made But him... he was, like, giving... Uh, He was, like, blowing, like, other male inmates and snorting coke oh yeah so yeah he's just running around women's underwear he's got titties they're snorting cocaine he's uh sucking off other guys and apparently this guy filming it is also asking him and 
And when he went to trial, he initially was just like, oh, I must have been like, hi, I don't remember killing, you know, eight women. Yeah. Right. And then and then at some point during the trial, he confessed, but, you know, expressed remorse, of course. Oh, yeah, I feel really fucking bad for them and their families. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, but in this creepy ass fucking video where he's all buffalo build up with his fucking titties hanging out. He gets asked by whoever is filming this. I just, I don't even like get this fucking video. It's just like, what the fuck is the deal with this video? It was, it apparently it was done in 1988 and it's just weird as fuck. Um, I'll see if I can find like a link to it okay. on the internet so we can post it on the thing. Cause it's just, I mean, just when you thought it couldn't be any creepier, it gets there. It, it really does get to that place. So when the guy filming asks him why he killed them, he killed those nurses. He says, it just wasn't their night. And then goes on to say, if you're asking me if I felt sorry, no. And then the person questions him and says, you know, well, you had a gun. Why did you use the knife and not a gun? He's like, you know, guns make too much noise. Knife doesn't make that much noise. Jesus Christ, what a creep. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then wow. he also stated, if they knew how much fun I was having in here, they would turn me loose. <gasps> yes. And I mean, literally, picture Buffalo Bill. I, I totally am. I'm getting this yes. mental image, and I don't and think I can erase because it. Because <laughs> it is 100% like this. And I watched this this video like late at night, too, and it was just like, oh. Whoops. <laughs> Like, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Nightmares forever. Wow. Dude. Dude. So, yeah, that is the, the story behind the lightly sugar-coated story. Of, Dick you know, Speck. That is the story of Dick Speck and his murderous fucking rampage. May well, he rot in hell because he's a fucking piece of shit. Fuck him. Mm-hmm. Well, totally fuck that guy. Oh, my God. Well, I do have a couple more. <laughs> stories that will now be palate cleansers. <laughs> uh, I also have a palate cleanser too. I I, I saved one. So. Okay, good. Uh, we'll go with uh, the Oxford Saloon in Snohomish. Oh, the Oxford. Built in 1900 and ran as Blackman's Dry Goods. In 1910, it became a saloon. Ever since then, the building has been used for many different things, but Oxford has always been in the name. The people who first turned it into a saloon did some remodeling, including adding the vestibule to the entrance that has the staircase that went to the rooms above. They were kept as boarding rooms. However, it's rumored that a local businesswoman named either Kathleen or Catherine rented the rooms out as a high-class bordello. Do you guys know what a bordello is? Uh, yeah, that's a whorehouse. Whoa. It's a whorehouse. It's a fancy way to say whorehouse. It sounds cozy. It does. It does sound cozy. Cozy or like a prostitute. Or like sex a worker. mellow wine. Sex worker. Sex wor no, they were straight up prostitutes. I know, but, yeah. you know, let's let's use proper terms. Sex worker. Sex worker. At any rate. It's a sex worker's residence. Okay. A bordello. Not a, not a whore. <laughs> at first, <laughs> she was never seen at the saloon, but she actually ended up living in one of the upstairs rooms. The saloon was subject to violence over the years. The basement was a men's card room and a bar. A cop named Henry was said to moonlight as a bouncer at the bar. 
and one night while breaking up a fight, he got stabbed and died. Henry's ghost is said to, is said to still be at the saloon. Apparently, he likes to hang out on the stairs leading down to the basement, and he likes to hang out in the ladies' restroom, where he likes to pinch ladies. And when they're he, on the toilet? No, when after they stand up, he pinches their ass, and if they confront him, because apparently they can see him, he just disappears. Oh, well... You know, I guess that's what you, that's one of the perks of being a ghost. You can just yeah. be a total fucking perv, and then it's like, oh, no consequences. Here I fade away. Motherfuckers. Well, hey, at least he's not a dick speck. That's I true. Know, that's true. God, how haunted do you think that fucking townhouse is? Jesus Christ. I hope they bulldozed it. <sighs> no shit. It's like, this is why you should just bulldoze how, you know, places of. Bulldoze them, salt them, and then start over. Because it's just not good to leave those vibes for someone else to walk into and. and the old bordello rooms are now rented out as office space, and ghosts also hang out up there. At least three do. One is a man wearing a bowler hat, and the other two are women. One is thought to be Kathleen, or Catherine, whatever her name is. She is wearing a purple dress with purple bows. The other ghost, Amelia, was forced into prostitution by Kathleen Catherine. Her body oh, was damn. found in her closet, curled up. No one was sure if she was murdered or if she committed suicide. Mm, you know who I'm thinking of who comes to mind is uh, Pam from True Blood. I didn't watch that show. Oh, my God. I haven't seen it it's either. Like nobody watches this show, and yeah. it's so great. <laughs> Washington State mm. Ghost Society investigated this place several times, and they experienced a variety of things. EVPs. Uh, they would. They had a key, and they would try to unlock some of the upstairs rooms, but the key would get forced back out of the lock, out of the hole. I guess they were kind of older locks or something because it got forced back out of the hole. That's right. So like skeleton keys. I'm imagining maybe? something like that because that's where you would have you'd, like, the get it other in, you'd, side. You'd put the key in, and you'd have to like kind of, yeah. But yeah. it get forced back out. Uh, they did manage to get into some of the rooms, and they got EVPs from those rooms. They didn't experience anything, but Amelia's room was turned into an office. And sometimes the furniture is just rearranged when you get back in there. Just randomly. So you leave it, no one goes in it, you come back, and it's different. So their designs are hard. Yeah. Really. Mm -hmm. uh, pictures. Change the vibe of the place. <laughs> this house. <laughs> this office, this is boring. We've got to change it around. Right. Pictures taken in the basement turned up forms of people that weren't there when they took the pictures. They're just endlessly playing games of like, you know, like love it or list it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why wouldn't they be? <laughs> the last story I have is about Central Washington University in Ellensburg. Beck Hall is a three floor substance free co ed building, so that's could be worse, I suppose, at least it's co ed. All I could find is that people reported seeing apparitions walking around. Mm -hmm. Room C-37 in Barton Hall is said to be haunted by a ghost of a young man. Reports of strange noises have come from the residents of the room, and people who have seen him standing in the bedroom doorway. Kamola Hall is one of the original places for students to stay on the campus. It was built in the early 1900s and renovated in 2003. This building is haunted by a woman's spirit. The story goes she hanged herself from the rafters on the top floor 
after receiving news that her boyfriend or husband had been killed during World War II. Oh, a bummer. No one's really sure if this is true or not. Occasionally, people report <laughs> seeing the apparition of this young lady known as Lola. Also reported are unaccountable sounds, knocks on doors, and doors opening or closing seemingly on their own. My sister thinks her house is haunted. Oh, yeah? Yeah, my sister's deli. Um, but it's more like a friendly haunting, like, I don't know. There was a lady who had cancer who died that lived there. And the house was bought, and she bought it when it was, like, in foreclosure. So she did all this stuff, all this, like, Buddhist chanting and whatever to, you know, really bad vibes out of it. So whenever she, like, knew the lady's name and everything, I think, I want to say it's, like, Sheila. But whenever there's weird banging or something, she's just like, oh, hey, Sheila, how's it going? You know, just addresses it, just addresses it and just like, oh, how you doing there, Sheila? Like, like, she's totally cool with it. She's not terrified by it. Hey. She does 100 percent think it's a ghost, but she just thinks, you know. It's just doing its ghost thing and she just, you know, acknowledges her and. That's a cool way to do it, too, especially mm -hmm. if you know who the person is. Right. Or may suspect who the person is. And if it's not doing anything malevolent, then it's not right. a big deal. Right. If it starts throwing knives at you, then maybe you've got a problem, but... Right, like, okay, like, this is, you know... Just starting to, like, cross some boundaries here. <laughs> not okay with this behavior. Because I've also heard if you... A lot of times, if you just tell something to leave, it'll take off. I think that's just something that people say to people that think they see ghosts i don't know i've heard because it a it lot makes them feel better or and i think like and that. it is it's actually almost exclusively when people think that their <laughs> their shit's haunted that they get told that mm -hmm. but still maybe it works i don't know it's like the same it's like you know just just imagine it not happening and yeah tell it to go away and it will yeah no yeah not so much <laughs> not so much i don't know I could see how a lot of people wouldn't do something that simple, just tell it to go away. Well, it's it's a psychology thing, you mm -hmm. know, like this is kind of basing it on the assumption that this isn't an actual ghost that you're dealing with, that this is something that's in your head and you have oh, to right. address it, confront it and make it go away. And you basically just like cure yourself. I see. By doing that. I see. All right. So. This guy writes, I was an EMT for a while. We got a call about somebody who was riding their bike at breakneck speed when they hit a car headfirst without a helmet. We went over immediately, despite the fact that it was broad daylight and we were in the middle of suburbia on a Saturday. Nobody even came to check on this poor guy. Seriously, the streets were empty. Usually a massive crowd gathers around violent accidents like this. So his skull was pretty much smashed in, and he was unresponsive. It was the worst head injury I'd ever seen. We assessed that he had a major skull fracture, a concussion, and he was bleeding profusely. He also he was also missing teeth and had minor road rash, but fortunately he wasn't mich missing much skin. To give you an idea of how bad it was, it this is the kind of injury that most people don't survive. If you did survive you'd basically be a crippled vegetable. Normally, we would have moved him off the road, but when someone has a head and neck injury, that isn't very safe. 
my partner, who was also training me as I was still kind of new, went to check his pulse while I began to unload our gear. He crouched down, felt for a pulse for a while, and then stood up and opened his mouth to say something. Suddenly, the guy fucking jumped up. He didn't use his arms to pick himself up. He just fucking jumped to his feet. What the fuck? It startled the two of us. He looked at us, yeah, smiled, and attempted to grab his bike. We tried to stop him, but we didn't exactly want to wrestle him to the ground, given his condition. Right. He gets away from us and bolts into the woods without his bike. My partner what? was in even more disbelief than I was. He just stared at where the man had run off, mouth agape. Then he turned to me and muttered, He had no fucking pulse, man. What? I asked him if he was sure, and he swore up and down that the biker was clinically dead. We contacted the authorities for assistance, and they sent a search and rescue team into the forest. I don't know if he was found or not, because we normally don't get much information about patients after they go to the professionals. Wow. My best guess is that he went to a loved one's house out of confusion. What I found odd about this what I found about odd about that is head injuries bleed like fucking hell, so you'd think the guy would have left a long red trail of blood for the cops to follow. Wow. The end. Fucking crazy. <laughs> that's probably like the weirdest fucking I mean, crazy. that's the one that like really I mean, it, this guy's like massive head wound Harry laying there, unresponsive, no pulse, and then just jumps to his jumps feet up. and bolts into the fucking woods. It's, oh, it's fucking crazy. Like, oh my God. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Oh my God. I would be fearing zombies at that point. Fuck. Right. Like, something, the guy has to be something. some That's kind of not, zombie. It's just not great. And while we're on that, I do have one little little closer tidbit i wanted to you know some random fact i came across all right um so there are such thing as zombie ants apparently oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, about those. so the good old uh ophiocordyceps unilateralis which is a fungus nator- native to brazil thailand and africa falls from the trees it burrows through the heads of ants into their brains and causes them to lose control of their body. The ant climbs a tree, clamps its pinchers onto a leaf, and dies while the fungus continues to grow and sprout more spores. I do God believe damn. there's zombie slugs, too, that oh, are with God. that it's similar like something virus like or something that. like I think that. I, I remember something taking... about that zombie slug. Yeah, and they, I oh. think they're like eyeballs pulse or something something oh, crazy like that dude, i could have sworn in bio class i can't we had imagine studied something like that yeah something like not, that like good. jumping into like the good. human population oh, no. that'd be that'd be bad that would be so bad that would be very bad i mean not only the fact that it's like zombie shit but i mean imagine something burrowing through your head and like basically controlling your brain where you have to like sit there and die, and then spores just grow out of you, like gross. And if you're, are you conscious the whole time? That would be shitty. That would be shitty. Yeah, that's just a shitty way to go. Well, Rachel, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you guys. Uh, yeah, it was have, so uh, much fun, fun to hang out you, and you talk. You do all this art, and you do all this like this jewelry and stuff. Do you have any online presences at all for it yet? 
Um, so you can find me at Rusty Phoenix. R- spelled out for the for the listeners. R U S T Y F O E N I X. And is that on Facebook? Or? That is on Facebook. Um, I'm just kickstarting after much pushing and prodding from all my friends over the years. I am finally starting to get out there. So um, nice and slow and easy. But yeah, you can find me out there. Uh, like, um, share, whatever. Um, and then I'll be working on um, getting an online platform to sell from as well. It's some nice. cool stuff she sells at her show sometimes. And other than that, uh, check her stuff out. We'll put it in the show notes. And also, we'll, we'll post it. We can probably post a link in the Strange Space, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll, put, yeah, we'll post we'll a link a, in the Strange we'll Space as well. We'll put a link in well. our group. So if you be, haven't joined our group, join our group. Join our group. <laughs> Soon we'll have a Patreon. Check out our t-shirt shop. And uh, I guess we will talk to you next time. Have a happy Halloween. And stay strange. Do you enjoy the Stranger Than podcast? Please let us know. Rate and comment on iTunes. Check out and like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash stranger than podcast. Our Twitter at underscore stranger than or drop us an email stranger than podcast at gmail.com. That's stranger than podcast, all one word at gmail.com. Also, feel free to email us any strange, mysterious or misunderstood stories or topic suggestions that you'd like to share or hear about.